It is time for us to begin our midday program here on Fat Tuesday on a chilly Fat Tuesday at that. Scott Foster in here sitting in for Tyler Cavalli today, who I think is in New Orleans right now. If I'm not incorrect on that, I could be wrong. Jason Jorgensen's in here. Bob Rogan's in here. Also, Clay Patton waiting in the wings. Lots of information. And we got Susan. Uh, you're, are you still down at Calman's Classic? I am. I will be here till uh, Friday. Oh, well, yes. So hopefully, did did they give you a place to stay or you got to stay there with the cattle? How's that going to work for you? Oh, you know, that might have been a good idea. It might have been a little bit warmer. No, I'm staying here in town. But <laughs> good, good. There, let me tell you, there's a few heifers I wouldn't mind uh, loading up with. But I don't know how I they bet. fit into the Jeep to get uh, it back home. So. Yeah, that could be a problem. That could be a problem for sure. <laughs> what do you got for us today, Susan? Well, we're going to kick everything off here at 1219. I speak with a veterinarian from Merck about some new nasal vaccines that are available uh, for bovine respiratory diseases. And so it's kind of a unique way. And he says it works great, especially with some of these newborn calves. And we know how chilly it has been for them. Then Bryce is going to step in here, as we know, and some of our staff has already dealt with this. And this is these rolling blackouts. He's going to get an update with Grant Otten with the Nebraska Public Power District. He's their media relations specialist about the latest information that's happening on these rolling blackouts all across the region. And then I'll wrap it all up at 117. Grab your calendar. A lot of deadlines coming up from the Farm Service Agency. Bobby Criswickel will join me as we talk about ARC, PLC, CRP, and a whole lot more acronyms. That's going to be a midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate all the work. Let's uh, turn it over. One of the things... Jason, that uh, we haven't been able to say in uh, a long time is it was a pretty good week for Nebraska basketball. They Not only did they get a win, but they got a pretty big recruit, it sounds like. They do. A guy in the 2022 class, junior mm-hmm. college player, certainly uh, worth keeping an eye on. But tonight, Huskers uh, trying to win two in a row. They've said that in a while. <laughs> There's and... another thing we haven't <laughs> said in a long time. As they uh, take on Maryland, that one starts at 6. You can catch the game locally. On Kemi Country, as we will have a high school basketball action tonight here. Scott will have the call of the two games from uh, Imperial with Cozette against Chase County at 6, Gothenburg against Hershey at 7.30. So plenty of basketball on tap tonight. be interesting to see how much is left in the tank for the Huskers. Uh, yeah. A lot of games here. I mean, they played their guts out on Friday in Lost Illinois. Uh, they played a lot of minutes against Penn State. It is what it is. Go figure. If we could figure out what uh, Nebraska basketball is all about, that would be we'd be uh, yeah. we wouldn't be sitting here probably. Also, a couple of big matches this weekend for the volleyball team at yes. home against Minnesota, and we'll get the thoughts of head coach John Cook about that. Interesting to see where they're at because that's a you know you still don't know they kind of played the bottom feeders early on. They so have, and Minnesota has, and they're coming off a sweep of Penn State, yeah. so it gets real on Friday for the Huskers. All right, very good. Who Thanks. also were affected by a rolling blackout this morning, and they didn't have power at the Devaney Center. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, that's hitting everybody. All right, thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Bob Rogan. Uh, stocks mixed right now. Stocks are modestly higher in trading, pushed by energy companies that have seen record electricity prices due to the frigid weather. Also, after a wild week in which Bitcoin soared to new heights, Bitcoin is crossing the $50,000 mark, and President Joe Biden is extending a ban on housing foreclosures to June 30th to help homeowners who are struggling during the virus pandemic details and these stories and more coming up in the business news all right thank you bob let's turn it over 
Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. We've got Paul Perkins in here right now, and we're it's days like this that remind we're reminded of what Dave Thorell used to say: <laughs> irrigators on load management. <laughs> there is no control today. Yeah, no need to worry about that. Uh, and also, like Dave Thorell always said. You feel fortunate that you're in the radio business That's, right now. We're glad we're not outside working on lines or uh, you know, out there feeding cattle or calving. And, oh, boy, two of those guys that are calving right now. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, big kudos to everybody uh, putting in the extra efforts, of course, uh, especially with the power situation, kind of uh, a teetery situation right now. Yeah, it really is. It's it, We get an idea of how, how uh, vulnerable that can be at times, for sure. And when that heat goes out, it gets cold in your house real it quick. It really does. It really does. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, we're looking at uh, sun's trying to come out, but it looks like a lot of cloud cover right now across most of our region. Yeah, a little bit of a system moving through going to maintain that cloud cover today. At best, you may get some filtered sunshine like we are getting right now. And unfortunately, those temperatures still at a chilly level, a little bit better than yesterday when many of us didn't even get above 9 to 5 below for a daytime high yesterday. And yesterday, of course, we had some very cold temperatures. The coldest uh, of this three uh, several-day stretch was yeah. 37 below the state low yesterday morning in Broken Bow. This morning, very close to that, the state low in Nebraska this morning, 32 below in Albion, Beatrice, and Columbus. So more of that cold shifting more towards the east. Hastings, not too far behind, 30 below. And that 32 below Nebraska State low, not too far behind the nation's low of 36 below at Silver Bay, Minnesota. And you're talking air temperature. You're not talking mm-hmm. wind chill. You're yes. talking air. Thank goodness the wind mm-hmm. hasn't blown hard yeah. through all this. What a mess. Yeah, because we, we did have dangerously cold wind chills across the area yesterday, including a 55 below wind chill to the south of Elm Creek. Oof. But this morning, about the coldest we saw is about 46 below for the wind chill. And right now, those wind chills across the area. Still in the 20s below zero in much of Nebraska. The teens below zero as you head into northern Kansas. A little bit of a south wind kicking in, but fortunately those temperatures are starting to warm up. Still some temperatures that are mainly in the single digits just below zero in central and east Nebraska. But most other locations starting to see those temperatures creep just a little bit above zero. Now this morning was another record breaker also to keep in mind for record cold temperatures that included several locations reaching their near their all-time lowest temperatures, including Hastings, right at their all-time coldest high or morning low. Today will be mostly cloudy with temperatures 40 degrees below normal as a trough of low pressure moves through the region. Some flurries and light snow are possibility with that trough for tonight. Overnight lows once again tonight dipping below zero. The 11th Street time for many locations and the longest streak since December of 1983. Dangerously cold wind chills to as low as 30 below remain possible through tomorrow morning. After that, we should be done with the wind chill advisories and warnings. Tomorrow through Monday, mostly dry with a significant warming trend beginning. Temperatures will warm from 30 degrees below normal for tomorrow to finally some seasonal levels by Monday. There is a slight chance of some flurries or light snow Saturday night into Sunday morning with a quick booming trough of low pressure. In the long-term forecast, seasonal or near-normal temperatures are likely the early half of next week in Nebraska and Kansas. By late next week through the 1st of March, seasonal to slightly above-normal temperatures are expected. 
For central Nebraska in late February, the average daytime high in the mid-40s with average overnight lows in the low 20s. Doesn't that just sound like purely tropical there? <laughs> Bermuda shorts and flip-flops. Here we come. There we go. It should be mainly dry, so nothing too much in the way of snow chances with below normal precipitation indicated for much of Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through March 1st in that time period. Key weather factors impacting the markets include record cold in the U.S., leading to stress and possible damage to winter wheat, and wet weather slowing down the soybean harvest in Brazil. On the plains, a historic cold wave maintaining stress on livestock. This morning, several monthly record lows established, among them the lows of 30 below in Hastings, 23 below in Goodland. By week's end, temperatures will begin to recover across the nation's midsection, but cold conditions will linger in the eastern U.S. In the Midwest, temperatures near zero made it down to the winter wheat melt in southern Illinois and Indiana, where some damage may have occurred before some heavy snow. In the central and southern plains, moderate to heavy snow has fallen along with record cold. Any of the exposed winter wheat has been at risk for damage. Another storm will produce additional rain for today into tomorrow, but mostly across the south. In crop areas of Brazil, scattered rain fell in many areas, delaying the soybean harvest and planting of second crop corn, but improving conditions for recently planted corn. Showers will continue over central and north Brazil, creating further delays. Southern areas will dry out with low chances of rain the next 10 days, improving their field work. The lack of rain, though, in southern Brazil could be a concern for newly planted second crop corn. Okay. All right. Well, we will see. We'll learn more about winter kill and stuff like that. Uh, as the months go on. But. And just to kind of put this cold wave into perspective, November to January 15th in central Nebraska, many locations only had overnight lows reach 10 or lower two different nights, which the average was 12. And now we're really making up for it. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, now we're looking at 11 day streak of below normal temperature or below zero temperatures at night. It's been a winter of extremes, though. I mean, we've seen, mm -hmm. we were talking about record high stuff earlier on. So it's just, uh, it's goofy. It's goofy stuff. So. Up and down in yeah, winter in the Midwest. That's true. That's very true. All right. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather page, krvn.com. Learning more about intranasal vaccinations for BRD. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dr. Tim Parks is a technical service veterinarian with Merck Animal Health. He talks about the different vaccination routes and why intranasal is a great option for cattle producers. Well, as we look at the intranasal route, we're, we're administering products via the, the route that most of the bugs that we're vaccinating against are going to come into the animal because they go through the mucosal surface. So we're stimulating at the area where these products are coming in. So hopefully we can create an immune response right in that area to help help catch them as they come into the animal. When we stimulate the immune system uh, with an injectable, we're stimulating the immune system also in a manner that um, we're, we're really creating a lot of antibody production, systemic. We can get some antibodies that go back up and set up mucosal surfaces, but we're really creating more of a systemic uh, protection. So, yeah, we can, as we look at the use of these basils, we're putting protection right there where the bugs are coming in and, and hopefully going to have that protection starting to set up, uh, you know, very rapidly within some, anywhere from four to seven days. 
You guys have a new um, intranasal uh, BRD vaccine. Let's talk a little bit about that and how that's going to be a big benefit for cattle producers. Yeah, Bovillus Nasalgen 3 PMH. Uh, it's a combination of three viruses, IBR, uh, BRSV, and PI3, along with two bacteria, Manheimia hemolytica, as well as Pasteurella multocida. It's a modified live product for intranasal administration. So it really puts five of the of the common um, common viruses and bacteria that we associate with bovine respiratory disease in one vaccine and an intranasal wrap. And the ease of, of administering it? You know, as we look at it, at, at intranasal administration, like any other administration, the key is make sure we get it in the animal and we do it appropriately. So uh, we, see, we see a strong benefit of this product in young animals. So as we're handling these animals uh, and, and putting product in, if we can, we can get good restraint on them, uh, make sure we're getting it in their nose appropriately, we're going to stimulate the immune system very well. Dr. Parks, that was going to be my next question. At what age can we start using this intranasal vaccine? Uh, this product is labeled for calves down to seven days of age, so it creates an opportunity as we're handling uh, as we're handling calves at, at younger ages. Uh, now it creates an opportunity to put a vaccine in that uh, we've been able to, with with some of the research around na- some of the other nasalgen products, we've been able to demonstrate that the mucosal route will help us get around some of the the maternal antibodies that those calves have absorbed through colostrum. So if we've done a good job setting our cows up, creating good colostrum that those calves are now absorbing as, as they take in, in the milk and, and that colostrum in that first 24 hours, this creates an opportunity for us to really stimulate the immune system even with those, with those uh, antibodies from mom circulating in them. Are these readily available now at their local veterinarian? Yeah, these products are available uh, and they're, in, they're in, out in the vet clinics and distribution. Visit with your veterinarians. Uh, if you if you have a relationship with the with one of the Merck Animal Health uh, representatives, they can help uh, help you get to the get to the locations where where product is. But it is out there and available and, and being used. That's Dr. Tim Parks with Merck Animal Health. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at sports. Jason's in here in studio as uh, the Nebraska basketball team gets to try to make it two in a row. We'll see what they got left in the tanks, as you mentioned. The round table. Interesting, interesting situation here for them. Yeah, back-to-back games mm-hmm. against Maryland. Yeah. And the fact Nebraska's been busy since they started up again on February 6th. Of course, Nebraska stopped the 25-game Big Ten losing streak on Sunday at Penn State. Maryland comes into tonight's matchup at 11-10. and 10. Huskers certainly the underdog. Tip-off is set for six. We will have that one for you locally on our sister station, Cami Country. For the second time this year, UNK's Alyssa Backus has been named the MIAA Athlete of the Week. The junior from Salina tallied 46 points in 41 minutes coming off the bench for the 13th-ranked Lopers. Forward had 28 points, just two off of her career high in the Thursday win at Northeastern State. She followed that up with 18 points on Saturday at Rogers State. She also had four rebounds in each game. She's been in double digits in six of the last eight games. 
UNK 16-2 this year. They have a huge matchup on Thursday night against Central Missouri at 530. We'll bring you that game on 93.1 The River and 106.9 in Kearney. A pair of top five teams meet this weekend in Lincoln as the fourth-ranked Huskers host fifth-ranked Minnesota. Huskers and Gophers play on Friday, then again on Sunday, and head coach John Cook is interested to see how his team handles this situation. I, th- I think both teams should be fired up because they're big matches. Uh, and and I think, you know, mentally, who can grind through two matches and play really hard and stay with it? Uh, that, that, to me, is going to be the big test. Minnesota's had already played Penn State and Purdue, so they've they're, they've been in some battles, some five-game battles. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how our team responds and how we respond the next night. And they're going to have to bring energy because there's not fans to carry them. And The Gophers are 8-0 this year. They swept Penn State in a pair of matches last weekend. The Huskers are 6-0, but they've been playing the bottom tier of some teams in the Big Ten. Friday's match begins at 8. We'll bring it to you here on 880-KRVN. At the Australian Open today, defending champion Novak Djokovic reached the semifinals for the ninth time. And in women's action, Serena Williams advanced to the semis for the first time since she won it all four years ago. Now, sub-district basketball is on in some locations tonight. Other locations, it's not. D28 and Bertrand, they moved up the start times to 3.30 for that SC and Brady matchup. Bertrand squares off with Loomis at 5. And at the C111 tonight, it's Kozad against Chase County at 6. Gothenburg against Hershey at 7.30. Her own Scott Foster will be on the call in southwestern Nebraska here on 880 KRVN. If I figure out how to get to Imperial, I'll make it. No, that is uh, should be good. I think it's a relatively uh, close district, so I think there's a, it's kind of anybody's district who gets Might hot. have some intrigue and some high drama. High drama games. in Imperial. <laughs> All right. Sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Thanks, Jason. Retail customers of Nebraska Public Power District are being asked to take steps to conserve energy use due to current and future low temperatures that are affecting the state and Midwestern portion of the country. Customers are asked to reduce electrical usage through Wednesday to mitigate the risk of potential widespread and long-lasting outages. MPPD spokesman Mark Becker says the utility is meeting demand inside the state through operation of all available resources. Cooper's uh, running full out. Uh, so is GGS and Sheldon Station. Both those, all those three units are, are uh, generating uh, almost maximum. And uh, our Beatrice Power Station uh, is operating. That's down in Beatrice, the natural uh, gas uh, cycle plant. Um, it's generating almost 200 megawatts. Becker tells us at the request of the Southwest Power Pool, even the candidate power plant south of Lexington is generating electricity, which hasn't happened since the very hot summer of 2012. He says power supplies across the SPP service territory from North Texas to the Canadian border have been hampered by frozen wind turbines in Texas, a lack of wind in our state, and a spike in demand for natural gas. Nebraska ranks in the middle of the pack in the rate of administering coronavirus vaccines, but state officials are working to speed up distribution of the shots. The state ranked 33rd among state and the District of Columbia by administering 14,770 shots per 100,000 people as of Sunday, according to data from the Federal Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Overall, Nebraska has administered 285,708 of the 407,500 doses it has received, or roughly 70% of the doses. Lincoln doctor Bob Rahner 
who is president of the Partnership for a Healthy Lincoln, said the state should be distributing the vaccines faster. State prison officials say nearly five dozen youth offenders at the Nebraska Correctional Youth Facility in Omaha had to be moved when the facility's heat failed in the midst of Arctic temperatures. The Nebraska Department of Correctional Services said in a news release that 59 offenders were moved Sunday to the medium security Omaha Correctional Center that houses adult men. Officials said the juveniles were being housed in a separate area from the adult offenders and will be returned once repairs are made to the youth facility's malfunctioning boilers. Advocates for nursing home residents are pushing back against a proposal to give broad immunity for businesses that may face lawsuits connected with the coronavirus pandemic. So far, more than 1,000 people living in Nebraska's long-term care facilities have died of COVID-19. Nursing home residents make up just 1% of Nebraska's population, but account for 50% of the state's coronavirus mortalities. Todd Stubendeck with AARP Nebraska says now is not the time to let nursing homes off the hook for abuse neglect, and even death. Stubendeck believes the COVID-19 Liability Protection Act introduced by State Senator Tom Breezy of Albion is not necessary because Nebraska already has barriers to prevent frivolous lawsuits. The bill's proponents say the law will help the state recover from the economic fallout from COVID-19 and note that the measure has exemptions for incidents of gross neglect or willful misconduct. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. Bryce Tuske joining you from our Lincoln, Nebraska studios. We are joined today by Grant Otten of the Nebraska Public Power District. Grant, I'm sure it's been a busy couple days for you. We're all becoming very familiar with the term rolling blackouts. I want to start with just a general update of what's going on across the state of Nebraska, leading to, to some disruptions of electrical services across the state. Tell me what you know right now and what the public needs to know. Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of people are a little bit more familiar with the term, um, you know, so basically it's a planned interruption of electric service. And uh, the cause of it is it's just this enormously high electric use. Um, I think I was looking up just some examples for for our entire region from North Dakota down to about the panhandle of Texas. We used about 43 gigawatts um, of electricity, and that's not going to mean a lot to most people. But basically that was a record for winter generation for the uh, amount of electricity we've had to generate during a winter month. So uh, we surpassed that today even uh, further. We're up around 44 gigawatts. So um, basically it just means we're using a lot of electricity across the whole region. Um, and it's just, it's hard to keep up with that. We don't have enough generation to match the amount of electricity that we're needing to uh, um, to, to supply people. And so they're having to do these interruptions of service um, it's supposed to be about a half hour. Um, the idea is that you have a, a half hour power outage. Um, you're right without power for about a half hour. Um, it might be a little bit longer, hopefully not. Um, and then once you have that outage, the idea is that that's the only one you have to experience. Um, you know, we're hoping it doesn't go on so long that we have to restart the list of, you know, people that have had an outage and they're re-experiencing re an outage again. So the idea is hopefully that um, you know, a customer only experiences one power outage. It lasts for about a half hour. Um, then your power comes back on and it goes to the next one. So it's just, it's a combination of just really um, unfortunate things where this is just a historic cold across the entire region. You know, this is something that's not just affecting Nebraska. Um, you know, it's affecting everybody. You know, it's affecting our neighbors and um, power regions next to us. Uh, you know, Texas has had it even worse than us. 
um, where they've had, I've seen it looks like some pretty long outages um, starting yesterday. Grant, that's a really good interview. I really appreciate or excuse me, that's a really good overview of the situation you guys are dealing with right now. And I appreciate you sharing that. One of the questions we've seen most common on the stories we've been sharing on social media and people reaching out to us is, why can't we get a little bit of a heads up? Can you talk about some of the challenges of not being able to notify those those customers that their power is going to be on for that half hour or 60 minutes? Yeah, you know, it's that's the that's been the most difficult part of this. You know, if we could if we had a better idea of 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 you know, how quickly this was affecting people or, you know, if we had more time to notify people, you know, we certainly would. The, the biggest issue right now is that it's happening so quickly. So we find, well, our operators are find out they need to, you know, get rid of, you know, X amount of uh, amount of electricity um, off the system where they need to stop serving that amount of electricity to protect the system. Um, and they basically have about 15 minutes to figure out, um, you know, which, which is going to which electricity is going to get taken off, um, or which uh, you know which service is going to get interrupted, and then you know the half hour when they're trying to switch it over to the next one, then they're trying to now they're trying to deliberate. Okay, what what do we have? What are our options? You know, what are the issues we might face if we take this person or this or not this person, this customer, or this service off? So um, it's just it's really tough. There's a lot of things that really go into it, and it's happening so quickly. Um, it's hard to you know, stay up to date and notify people We're, you know, we're if, if we're getting calls and um, as we're finding out, we're trying to share that information too. But, you know, it just, it happens so quickly um, that it's just hard to, hard to get the word out in time. Sounds like a very fluid situation for our audience listening today. You know, the take home messages are a uh, lot of details that uh, are either really complicated or too tough to explain what's all going on. But we all need to do our part to come together to make sure everybody has uh, power at the end of the day. What are the other take home messages you want our audience to know today? I mean, it's just it's we're just asking people to be patient. And I know that's not that's not an exciting message. Um, I suspect my power will be going out here at some point. Um, it hasn't gone out yet. I know some of my other coworkers have had have lost power. Um, but it's just, it's be patient. You know, I, I, it's, it's not an exciting time, obviously when it's freezing outside, um, and we're having to deal with this, but, you know, try to do your best to conserve energy. Um, I, like I said earlier, I've, I've walked around the house and I've unplugged basically everything in our house. Um, except we have this laptop that I'm working on. I've usually been working in the dark and then, uh, my wife and my son who are, are one's a teacher and one goes to school, um, you know, they're home for the day because they didn't have school. And I, they're, I think they're watching um, like a movie on a laptop upstairs. So they're, they're trying to, um, you know, we're just trying to do our best to help conserve energy. We ask people, you know, if we can conserve enough energy, um, you know, hopefully we can get out of this. And we don't have to do any more of the interruptions of service. Um, but, you know, if we do, we just ask people, hey, be patient. This is obviously not a fun time, um, but just and be patient if you can and try to bundle up and we'll get through this. Grant, I appreciate your time to uh, come on here and shed a light on this topic with us. Stay safe out there and appreciate the work you do. You too, Bryce. Thank you very much. With Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks have been modestly higher in afternoon trading, pushed by energy companies who have seen record electricity prices due to the frigid cold weather impacting much of the country. Investors remain steadily focused on economic stimulus talks in Washington, which are marching forward now with former President Donald Trump's second impeachment trial now over. Safe play sectors like real estate companies and utilities lag the rest of the market as traders increase their appetite for risk. 
Treasury yields continued to climb, pushing the yield on the 10-year Treasury note up to 1.28%. After a wild week in which Bitcoin soared to new heights, Bitcoin is crossing the $50,000 mark. Bitcoin rallied last week as more companies signaled the volatile digital currency could eventually gain widespread acceptance as a means of payment for goods and services. Bitcoin has been mostly seen as a store of value like gold, with some limited merchants accepting it for payment. President Joe Biden is extending a ban on housing foreclosures to June 30th to help homeowners struggling during the coronavirus pandemic. The moratorium on foreclosures of federally guaranteed mortgages had been set to expire on March 31st. On his first day in office, Biden had extended the moratorium from January 31st. Census Bureau figures show that almost 12% of homeowners with mortgages were late on their payments. CBS is reporting surprisingly strong profit and revenue numbers for the fourth quarter. Though the pandemic dragged adjusted operating income down by 21.8%, surging infections in the U.S. negatively affected the drugstore chain's retail and benefits segments for the quarter that ended on December 31st. That was offset somewhat by a strong performance at the pharmacy counter. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. update today with the Farm Service Agency about some programs that are available for current assistance for our agricultural producers. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. First and foremost, we have to talk about the Livestock Indemnity Program, otherwise known as LIP. As temperatures continue to hang in those cold vicinities, we know it's taking a toll on the livestock industry. Here's Bobby Wickham with the FSA here in Nebraska. It provides financial assistance for livestock losses that are associated with adverse weather events. And, you know, it can include and does include extreme cold. And so producers who had losses above their normal mortality can can receive some financial assistance. Bobby, that they have to do to to prove the loss of livestock? Right. There are. There's a couple of key things that I really want um, our farmers and ranchers to keep in mind um, as they go through this difficult time period. Um, you know, if you have a livestock loss, you, you need to report those losses to your FSA office within 30 days of when those losses become apparent. You know, so I know folks are in the middle of things right now, and, and so there is some time, but there is a 30-day notification window for those livestock losses. And a phone call to your office will work for that notification. Second key point is that, you know, you do have to document those losses, some sort of supporting evidence, you know, like um, dated photos or video, uh, veterinarian certification, rendering receipts. Those types of things work for uh, documentation of losses. What's the time frame for them to get that information into you? Yeah, you know, once that that 30-day, initial 30-day um, window after you've reported those, you really have a whole rest of the year to get through before you actually have to complete your application and get all that information to us. So um, the key thing for producers really to think about is that 30-day window from when you um, are aware of those losses to, to give us a call. Well, it's good. I mean, it's sad that we have to have this program, but it's great that it's there to help out our livestock producers. Right. Yeah. You know, and we know and, and we're 
I think on behalf of all our county offices, we're really thinking about um, our livestock producers right now because we know it can be a, it is a challenging time. Um, but I'm glad that the program's there for producers if they do um, suffer losses. And the other thing I would note is this is a, a year, a calendar year aggregation for losses. So even though you might not be in a, above your normal mortality with losses right now, you should still report those because if you have um, some losses later in the year, those might all accumulate to be over that normal mortality rate. So it's important to let us know about those losses. You have some other deadlines that are looming as well. Uh, ARC, PLC, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the agriculture risk coverage, price loss coverage, that's our main uh, commodity crop safety net program. Um, the deadline to complete your ARC PLC election in 2021 enrollment is March 15th. And so we are a, a month out from that deadline, but there's quite a bit to that uh, election and enrollment process. So if you're a producer who has not yet completed your um, contracts for your ARC PLC enrollment, please contact your county office as soon as possible to set up an appointment. That is my conversation with Bobby Chris Wickham of the Farm Service Agency in Nebraska. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. We talked to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, coming into the settlements here across the grain complex, a little bit of status quo. We continue to march higher here in most of the grains, but it looks like wheat really benefiting from this cold Arctic blast. Yeah, closed on the high uh, there in both Minneapolis and in Kansas City. Chicago lagging a little bit there, but regardless, um, we haven't had a weather problem talk about wheat yet. And uh, now, obviously, we have one. Uh, guys I've worked with in the wheat belt have told me not to really get too twisted up about winter kill. It's always difficult to understand at this time of the year what you know what the crop is doing. Uh, you know, even the best wheat traders and growers I know will tell you they can't can't guess yield five weeks out, let alone uh, you know four months. So short term here, probably more uncertainty gets priced into the market. Uh, end users scrambling a little bit, and you have the equities that continue to trade higher. So just uh, continue to float up as fiscal stimulus and monetary stimulus push the markets. You know, talking about those outside equities, starting to see a little bit of that inflationary bias hitting the 10-year and 30-year Treasury yields now. They're at their highest levels they've been at in over a year. Does that start to cue that more inflation is on its way and really that kind of gives us the ability to leg once it gets to the grains? Yeah, I, I think until the Federal Reserve would say something contrary. And most of them are on the complete opposite side of it. They're saying, oh, we're not even looking at you know, inflationary data that's going to change policy. They're looking at unemployment numbers first and foremost. So I think we're sitting at 8% plus or minus uh, a few points. And I imagine until they get that number under control, and which means, you know, reopening. And, uh, I don't think, you know, we'd even kind of, this is just tip of the iceberg. This summer, in my opinion, you're looking at the big fireworks to start, and that's when you can mix in some U.S. weather problems. But deferred contracts will be under the the, the light here in the next two days. Uh, we'll talk about Ag Forum. Uh, that come, comes out Thursday morning. We'll get those acreage numbers. And then really it's about getting the Brazilian crop out of the ground. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of folks are looking for like a harvest load to be made in soybeans here. Uh, there's a lot of supply that's being, you know, produced in this country. 
uh, as far as soy meal and soybean oil goes. The crush reports were fantastic today. So exports normally slow at this time of the year. I think that's why the market's taking a little bit of a breather. But I think the, the fireworks are still to come, especially in those deferred contracts. I, I, I just really been looking at the Septembers. I think they're easier to trade. Looking at uh, beans around 12 and corn around to the 475, 460 year decent plays, in my opinion. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. If you'd like to check out his daily newsletter this week in grain, visit DanielsAgMarketing.com. And that's DanielsAgMarketing.com where you can sign up for the newsletter. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing as they might not be suitable for all investors.